If we were to go down after the service and enjoy a coffee together or a little snack, and you were to ask me some questions, and maybe you would ask me this question. You'd ask me, Rob, what is it that you're really bad at? And I would say, well, how long do you have? I could take a while here. But there's something that I'm, if I was to like kind of pinpoint it and say, what is something that I really struggle with? What's something that I'm really, really not good at? And that would be waiting. I am not good at waiting. Just this morning, I was driving to church. I like to come early to church. Uh, I like to spend some time alone at church when no one's here, so it's quite early. And I'm driving, and I'm driving down my road, and there were three skunks standing in my road. Now, I've seen one skunk. I've never seen three skunks together. I was kind of wondering, like, is this a nuclear family? Is this, like, mommy skunk, daddy skunk, baby skunk? Or are these just, like, three friends hanging out in the middle of the road for some reason? And I waited for them. And they didn't seem to care that I was waiting for them. They just kind of stood there. And if you ever watch skunks, they're kind of slow. They don't really go too fast. Because they know that if I get any closer, I'll want to run away. So I had to wait for them. And it took me about five minutes, which might not seem that long in the grand scheme of things, but in that moment felt like forever for these skunks to finally cross the road and do whatever they were going to do with their happy little skunk lives at 6 a.m. in the morning. I am not good at waiting. I can remember as a child this Christmas time finding it incredibly difficult to wait for Christmas morning. It was especially difficult because you knew that Christmas morning you would have presents. So you knew there was something you were waiting for. It wasn't just you were waiting for no reason. You were waiting for something. And you knew, and you know, there were some times we're leaner in our, my childhood, we're financial struggles, but there was always a present. And it was so hard to wait because I knew my parents would shop in November. And I knew that those presents were somewhere in the house. And yet I still had to wait for them. And sometimes I wasn't very good at waiting. And I would accidentally, totally accidentally, discover that there were presents hiding behind the towels, just totally by accident. But waiting was hard. And as I grew up, it got even harder, because there are so many things that we wait for, that we desire, that we're looking forward to, that just don't happen as soon as we want them to. I don't know if you can relate to that. I don't know if there have been moments in your life where you've desired something, or you knew something could be about to happen, Maybe it was a relationship you were waiting for. Maybe it was finishing school. Maybe it was a job promotion. Maybe it was a child. What, and you just waited, and it seemed like it would never take place. Waiting is hard. And the season that we're in that starts this Sunday called Advent is a season of waiting. It's a season of waiting for Christmas. Not in the commercial sense or the sense I had as a child of looking forward to a gift under the tree, but in an anticipation of Jesus. Just like we sang in those songs of those desires of come thou long expected Jesus, that there was an expectation for Jesus and people waited for him and we still are waiting even though we do celebrate his birth. All of us are waiting for something. Whether it's something scary, maybe it's a phone call from the doctor, whether it's something good, like maybe it is a present under the tree. We're all waiting for something. So what are you waiting for? What is it that you are waiting for? 
What is it that you're just looking forward to in the future or wondering if it will ever come about? Is there something that you can pinpoint and say, this is what I'm wanting to happen and I'm just waiting? And in this time of waiting, it feels like excruciating agony because it's not happening soon enough. Is there something you're waiting for? As I said, this season of Advent, this time in the church calendar, it's actually the beginning of the church calendar, is a season of waiting. It's of anticipation, you know what, sometimes I learn to speak, anticipation of hopefulness. And the reason why we reflect on it in that way is because the reality of the world that Jesus first came into, that we celebrate at Christmas, was a world of darkness, a world of sorrow, a world of despair. It's a world where people were waiting, and they'd been waiting a long time, and it seemed like it would never happen. In fact, if we go way back before Jesus, there were individuals who God spoke to through time called prophets. And these prophets were meant to speak to the people about who God was and what God invited them into. And one such prophet, Isaiah, had a prophecy about what they were waiting for. He was writing in the time of the world where he was part of the kingdom of Judah. So in your Old Testament, if you're a little bit familiar with it, there's Israel, and then one point Israel splits. So you have the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. There's conflict that causes this. And the reality is both of those kingdoms ignored God, and that's why they were in the position they were in. They used to worship God, and then they moved to worship other things. They ignored God. Maybe things got too easy for them. Things got so good, they liked the things that were good, so they just ignored God. They didn't worship him. They didn't spend time with him. And things started to go bad. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, or if you're not so familiar, there's a pattern that flows throughout the Old Testament that when things are good, people forget about God. And God says, okay. And then things start to go bad. And then they remember God. At the time of Isaiah's writing, things were not so good, but they were going to get worse. At that point in time, if you read Isaiah chapter 8, it talks about how there is a darkness and there is an army that is already taking over, but will continue to take over. And that, that's a consequence of their ignoring God. But that consequence can still have hope. Even in the midst of the struggle, of the torturous waiting that they had, where things were just not the way they were supposed to be, they knew it wasn't right, there was still hope to be had, something to look forward to. In the same way that some of our waiting, it might feel torturous and dark, there's often something to look forward to, and we just have to look for it and find it. Well, Isaiah, speaking the words of God, spoke to the people, and we have it written in our scriptures about what they were really waiting for. And so we're going to start this Advent season. It's a Sunday that's called the Sunday of Hope because that's what people were waiting for. And maybe it's something you're waiting for too. And we're going to start it in Isaiah chapter 9. As Isaiah 9 starts, the author tells us, Isaiah tells us that at this point, it's not going to be on the screen, it says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. So just before it was talking about the gloom that the people were experiencing. For those who were in distress in the past humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtal. 
But in the future, he, being God, will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. This starts off with this promise that in spite of what was happening and what was going to get worse, there will come a point where it gets better. That was the beginning of the promise that God had for those people. And I think it's the promise for us too today. In spite of how bad it may seem and it might get worse, it will get better. He says, the people, as we heard before, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. As Isaiah is starting this prophecy, and you're, you might be hearing, you're hearing this war language, it sounds kind of violent, but as he's starting this section of the prophecy, there's actually four comments that get made. So he's, there's three kind of saying, this is the bad stuff that's going to happen, and then it comes to this promise. What he does is he looks backwards. He says, in the midst of your walking and your experiencing of darkness, if we look back, we can remember when God rescued us. If we look back as you experienced at this time, it's the Assyrian army. They're coming in, they're invading, they're taking place there, and they're they're destroying the people's land and their livelihood. And as much as it's going to get worse, as the prophecy kind of goes, he says, if you look back, you can remember when God rescued before. And as you walk in this darkness, if you look back, you can see God was faithful. If you look back, you can look ahead. If you see how God has worked in the past, in this case with God's people in the Old Testament, you can see how God will work in the future. That God had chosen those people, and when they responded to that invitation and chose to be with him, they felt the abundance of his love. They experienced the joy of being with him. And you saw that through their prosperity in the land. But as the text progresses throughout the Old Testament, you see how once they had that prosperity, they ignored God. And God said, okay, you ignore me. This is what happens. And he didn't protect them. And so armies like the Assyrian army invade and they lose that prosperity. But if you read through the text, you see how God over and over again comes to their rescue when they acknowledge him. And the same way is what he's saying here. In the midst of the suffering that the kingdom of Judah is going to go through and is going through, if you look back, you can see what God will do. In your own life, in the midst of the waiting that you're experiencing right now, whether it's you're waiting for a phone call for a diagnosis, or whether you're waiting for someone to pick up the phone and apologize to you or send you a text, In the midst of the struggle and the torment that you may feel internally, if you look back, you can see how God was faithful. Maybe you have to look back far. Maybe you don't have to look far back at all. 
Maybe you can't think of in your own life where you can look back to. But you can look back to the story of Scripture that shows that God is faithful to his people when they are faithful to him. And that the God who gives hope reminds you of it when you come back to him. As the people in Isaiah's context were waiting, experiencing the torment and pain of an invading army, of realizing that the promises that God had given them had been lost for a time, as Isaiah tells them, hey, you've got to remember how this happened before. It didn't necessarily make it easy in the moment. They were still in darkness. But it gave them something to look forward to, to hope for. In the same way, in our darkness, in our struggle, in our moments, we need something to look forward to. We need to remember the hope that God can provide. Isaiah is going to say, well, what, what is this promise that God has? And he says this in verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As Isaiah was writing to these people, and as God was speaking to Isaiah to speak to the people, as he shared this, he said, In the midst of your struggle and your suffering, as dark as it seems right now, there will be a light. And that light will be a child. It's who we celebrate at Christmas, ultimately. But for them, it would be hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But the promise came true. They may not have experienced it in the midst of their struggle and suffering, but the promise still would be true that Jesus would come. As Isaiah challenges this audience who are struggling and going through and waiting and wondering where maybe God is in these moments, he says there will come a time where a child will be born and everything's going to be made right. And everything's going to change, just as we sang in the songs we sang this morning. And that On him, all those corrupt systems of government, of injustice, will be made right. Everything that's wrong in that world will be corrected in time. And the hard part for us is we can read this and we can go, yeah, we celebrate Christmas, yeah, Jesus was born, but guess what? Our world is still really dark, and there's still injustice, and there's still wrongdoing. And there's still pain, and there's still suffering. And that is why that at Christmas, it's not just about the birth of Jesus, but what will come still. We still wait. We wait for those wrongs to be made right. We wait for injustice to be corrected. We wait for hurt to become hope. We still wait. It's still hard. But we can look back and remember, how has God worked in the past? That's what Isaiah invites 
us to do is to look back and remember how God has worked in the past. And maybe for you, like I said, you, it doesn't take you that much effort to remember when God's been working in your life. But maybe for you, you're not even sure who God is, and you're wondering, how could God be working when I don't even know if I believe in God? Well, what do you see around you? What's the good you can see around you? Maybe sometimes it's hearing other people's stories of how God has worked in their lives. Maybe it's going back to Scripture and going, how has God demonstrated this? What is it that you're waiting for? What is it that you're wondering if it will ever come? What is the darkness that maybe you find yourself in right now? What I love about Isaiah's prophecy is that he outlines why we can have hope. And that hope that we can have is found in Jesus. And he explains that the one we call Jesus, the one we know and celebrate at Christmas, his birth, is also the one who died and rose again and we celebrate at Easter. Who died, as we sang in that song, to set captives free. And there are four titles that get used in Isaiah's prophecy that express who Jesus is. And the first one is he's called Wonderful Counselor. Again, this is an Old Testament prophecy of what is to come. And maybe people didn't fully understand it then, but we can look back now and see how this is true. That the one who they were waiting for would be called Wonderful Counselor, meaning someone who had great wisdom to bring. Wisdom and direction for the people. A wisdom that was not just, oh, that's a smart idea or that's good advice, but a wisdom that is ultimately divine. As you read through, if you do read through Scripture, if you, especially if you read through uh, Matthew's Gospel, you can see the wisdom in Jesus' words of how to approach situations and realities of life that may not make sense and be challenged to see how God is working in them. He's called Wonderful Counselor. Maybe there's a point in your life where you're waiting. Maybe there's a darkness that you're experiencing and you need that wisdom. You need some godly advice into whatever it is you're going through. It can be found in Jesus, the Wonderful Counselor. He's also called Mighty God, which I can remember when I first read this being really challenged by this. And thinking, how did they know so long ago that Jesus would be God in the flesh? Meaning the child who is born, or we celebrate his birth at Christmas, is so much more than a child. That this child, ultimately, would die for the people's sins to correct the wrongs in this world. But this child isn't just human flesh but divine. That the God who, if you believe this, if you read through Scripture, is the one who creates, is also the one who came in the flesh at Christmas to be with us. So as the people back then waited, Isaiah speaking God's words to the people was saying, God will be present with you. As we sang in the song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, come God near us. It's what people have longed for for long ago. And we have today in Jesus. 
Maybe you're in your waiting and feeling a distance from God. Maybe you're wondering where could God be in the struggle that you have. Maybe you're wondering that in the darkness, how can a light ever break through? But the truth is that God is with you. But it's up to you to accept it. That in Jesus, he is with you. He's with all of us. He's also called Everlasting Father. The language that gets used here, again, this is uh, so amazing to me when I see how God was speaking so long before Jesus to demonstrate this. That often we talk of God the Father being like the God who creates, but he says the one who's going to come is one and the same as that God. He is not temporal, but everlasting. Sometimes when we're struggling, when we feel that darkness, we look for relief. Sometimes, actually most of that time, that relief is temporary. As we're waiting for what we hope for, as we're waiting for what's good, we'll try to fill that waiting with something that eases the pain. It's like taking the Tylenol in our suffering. It stops the pain but doesn't cure the problem. And so sometimes maybe we turn to drinking or relationships or pornography or just a bad attitude or we just get mean because we're so frustrated with the waiting. We fill it temporarily with something to take that struggle away, to maybe distract us. But there's an everlasting relief found in Jesus. That whatever temporary thing we use to fill that void isn't going to last. But only in Jesus can there be the hope that we look for. And finally, he says, He's also the Prince of Peace. The language of prince, and so we think of this as like a royal thing, but a prince, the language is used, he's the administrator of peace. He is the bringer of peace. And sometimes we think of peace as that absence of conflict, which it is and which we desire, especially in a world like we have right now where we hear of all the conflicts around it. But it's so much more. It means wholeness. The Hebrew word for shalom, it means making all those wrongs right. The one who they waited for was the one who would administer the wholeness that we desire so much. That as we wait for those things that we think will fix our problems and we try to fill them in, and it's not lasting, but it's temporary, ultimately in Jesus, in Jesus, there can be wholeness. We could experience who we're really meant to be. Only in Jesus. Can that really happen? And so we may try to fill the gaps in our life with relationships, with romantic or friendships, or excelling at work or school, and try to gain that desire we have to be whole through these accomplishments. But it's only actually in Jesus that it will happen. And as we wait in Advent, we're reminded that it's in that baby who was born we can find that wholeness. It's in that baby who was born, we could be experiencing what we've always been meant to experience. In John's Gospel, Jesus, in his later years, says that he came to give us life in all of its fullness. 
That's what we wait for in Advent. Life in all of its fullness. A life that, that we no longer feel the longings and the sorrows that we have right now. A life where we no longer feel frustration or oppression. Where everything is made whole and the way it's supposed to be. And frustratingly, that life, we don't always experience it right now, even if we do follow Jesus. But we can have glimpses of it. We can have moments. Moments where we have this brief realization of hope. Moments where you feel this connection with God, maybe, or with his creation. Moments you feel with each other. That you go, wow, there's lots to hope for. In those moments that we long for, ultimately we can remember them and be reminded that what we ultimately wait for, what we long for, will be fulfilled. For the people that Isaiah was speaking to on behalf of God, they wouldn't realize it in their lifetime, but it would come. Whatever you're waiting for, whatever longing you have, it will be realized in Jesus. It might not be in the way you want it to be. Maybe you're looking for that perfect job or that perfect person or that extra money in the bank and thinking that will resolve all of this, I feel. That may not be what you really need. For the people in Isaiah's time, what they thought they needed, and if you read through the history of of the story of Scripture, people thought they needed a strong warrior to destroy the governments of that day. But they got a child instead. But that child was mighty God. Sometimes what you're looking for in your waiting is not really what you need. But it doesn't mean God's not going to be faithful to relieve that waiting, to give you hope. When we come together at church, it's meant to be a small glimpse of that hope we wait for. Through the songs we sing, through the reflecting on Scripture, through sharing in community, we're meant to be reminded of what God has done and what we can hope for. So in the midst of our waiting, we wait. We don't try to fill that waiting. We don't try to change things. We wait. Isaiah says that the people were walking in a great darkness. They kept living. They kept doing. In the midst of your waiting, you wait but be reminded that the God of hope who we celebrate in Jesus will relieve that waiting. So whatever you're waiting for, it will be fulfilled, but it may not be what you're expecting. But that's the greatness of Christmas. That those expectations we have may be too small for what God is actually doing. Let's pray before we celebrate communion. Heavenly Father, I thank you that um, we do get to come to you 
Uh, we get to come to you because of who uh, you invite us to be and who you are. That you came into a world that was waiting in the person of Jesus. And that in Jesus, you didn't just stay a child who was born, but you were the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, the mighty God, the prince of peace. You were the one to bring hope to all of us. And that just as the people in Isaiah's context, we too are waiting for that realization of hope. I pray that we patiently wait in our waiting. Not looking for temporary reliefs, but looking for you, who can ultimately bring the wholeness we so desire. God, I don't know what it is that each of us is waiting for, but I know there's probably something. As we wait, and sometimes we wait in suffering, we wait in sorrow. Remind us of how present you are. Remind us that what we wait for, we can wait for in hope. Because as present as you are now, you will come again, and you will relieve the suffering of this world. And we can look forward to that. Because in the past, you have acted in our lives, and you've acted in the lives around us. And we know that to be true. And God, if we're waiting and struggling with knowing that, I pray your Holy Spirit helps us. And I pray we help each other to know that you are good. And what you will do is good. And I pray that in Jesus' name.